Hello, and welcome to the Balanced Wealth Podcast. My name is Gavin DeStasi, and on today's episode, we're going to talk about college savings plans, the different vehicles used to save for college, some pros and cons, and pitfalls you might not have thought about. It's probably no coincidence this topic is on my mind these days. My son is just finishing up his junior year in high school, and we've been spending a fair amount of time thinking about, talking about, and even visiting colleges recently. In fact, during the pandemic, Driving up and down the state and taking a look at some of the campuses he's interested in was one of the only ways we were able to get out of the house and feel like we got some kind of vacation at all. They were not your typical campus visits to be sure, since we couldn't really get out and tour the schools in a traditional sense, but at least we were able to see them, and for my son to be able to get some sense of the campuses at least, felt like a win in the environment we found ourselves in the past year. Add to it the fact that my daughter is only two years behind him, which means that in short order, we'll be looking at the prospect of paying double tuition. Well, I guess it's no wonder that college savings has been on my mind of late. So with that in mind, I wanted to go over the major funding vehicles used to save for college, as well as some of the basic features of each one. What I won't be covering today is financial aid, scholarships, or filling out the FAFSA, as those topics are probably worthy of their own podcast and are definitely beyond the scope of today's discussion. And it's also important to understand that the areas I'll be covering will mostly be relevant for parents or grandparents whose kids or grandkids, unlike mine, are not on the cusp of going to college, since most of these vehicles are designed for longer-term savings. So first, let's talk about the kinds of savings vehicles which are specifically designed for college savings. There are two types of tax-advantaged college savings plans designed to help parents finance education, 529 plans and education savings accounts, which are also known as ESAs or Coverdale savings accounts. Both of these types of accounts offer tax-deferred growth, meaning as long as the proceeds are used to finance qualified education expenses, like tuition, books, supplies, computers, room and board, etc., etc., the money, including any gains and investment income, can be withdrawn tax-free. And unlike custodial accounts, which we'll get to later, both plans are considered to be your assets as parents, not your child's, which means their impact on financial aid is significantly reduced. But there are some important differences in terms of eligibility and the amounts you can contribute to each of these plans. First, let's start with some of the key features of 529 college savings plans, which are probably the best known to most of the listeners out there. Anyone can open a 529 account, and friends and family can contribute to the account regardless of who opened it. There are no income limits for opening and funding a 529 account, and withdrawals from a 529 account can be used to pay for qualified educational expenses at any eligible U.S. post-secondary institution or apprenticeship program. Withdrawals, up to $10,000, can also be used for K-12 tuition expenses. Up to $10,000 can be used to repay student loans for the account beneficiary, plus another $10,000 for repayment of student loans for each of the beneficiary's siblings. A 529 plan account has higher contribution limits than other types of education savings accounts. The investment options available will vary by 529 plan, with each state that offers a 529 plan determining how its plan is structured and which investment options are offered. Lifetime contributions can total $400,000 or more depending on the state per beneficiary. And you can front load the funding of the 529 plan by depositing up to $75,000 in a single year, 
a couple can invest up to $150,000 without incurring a gift tax as long as you make a special election and the contribution is your only gift to that beneficiary for five years. Now, while 529 plans are quite useful and the tax advantages are great, there are some potential downsides. First, the investment choices can be quite limited depending on the plan. Also, investment costs can be high as some plans have administrative fees and high expense ratio investments, which are not always easily ascertained. Most importantly, if the assets in the 529 plan are not used for education purposes, then taxes will be due for any gains in the account upon withdrawal, and an additional 10% IRS penalty will be assessed in most cases. Because of that, while most people are more concerned with not saving enough for college, it's also important not to overfund the 529 plan account, since if you don't use all the funds for education, those taxes and penalties will be due on whatever's left over. If you do end up overfunding, it is possible to change the beneficiary of the plan without adverse federal income tax consequences, as long as the new beneficiary is an eligible member of the family of the current beneficiary. Now, ESAs, also known as Coverdell Savings Accounts, are another tax advantage education savings option. Withdrawals can be used for qualified elementary and secondary education expenses, as well as for post-secondary school. However, ESAs are more restrictive as to who can contribute and how much you can save. Only couples with adjusted gross incomes of less than $220,000 are eligible to open ESAs. For individuals, that figures $110,000. Contributions are limited to a maximum of $2,000 per year until the beneficiary's 18th birthday, and the account must be liquidated by age 30. The designated beneficiary, however, can roll the full balance to a different Coverdell ESA for another family member to avoid the taxes and penalty if they haven't used the funds. ESAs generally do provide a wider range of investment options than 529s, and unlike 529s, ESAs don't have the $10,000 tax-free withdrawal cap for qualified expenses to an elementary or secondary public, private, or religious school. And as with 529 plans, any money not used for qualified education expenses will be subject to taxes and a 10% penalty, though because of the low maximum contribution restrictions, unlike 529 plans, overfunding is generally not an issue. Now, another common vehicle which is used for college savings, and often incorrectly in my experience, is a custodial account, also known as a UTMA or UGMA account. UTMA and UGMA stand for Uniform Transfer to Minors Act and Uniform Gift to Minors Act, respectively. Basically, a custodial account is a way for a minor to own assets. What's important to understand is that with a custodial account, the assets are the property of the minor, with the parent or other adult acting as a custodian until the child reaches the age of majority. It is also really important to understand that once funds are put into a custodial account, they are considered gifted to the minor child, and for all intents and purposes, are assets belonging to the child. Many parents do not fully understand that once the child reaches the age of majority, either 18 or 21 usually, depending on the state, the assets belong to the child. It doesn't matter if that child even goes to college or not, they can use the money any way they want. We often tell our clients that if they're considering using a custodial account to fund college, they better be pretty sure that child is going to college and planning to use the funds for that purpose. Because if they choose instead to use the money to buy a Harley Davidson and travel across the country, it's theirs to do with what they want. For this reason, we rarely recommend a custodial account for the purposes of saving for college expenses. 
Another drawback to using a custodial account for college funding is since the account is considered an asset of the child, when awarding financial aid, colleges will count it more harshly than if it were an asset of the parent, or better yet, a grandparent. Finally, in some cases, it might just make sense to save for college with a regular brokerage or savings account in the parent's name. While this is generally considered a last resort, since there are no favorable tax advantages, there are some situations where it might make sense. The most common scenario, as I mentioned above, is in cases where the parents have already funded a 529 plan quite a bit and are concerned about overfunding. In this case, we often recommend switching contributions over to an account in the parent's name. That way, there is little chance of not using the funds for college and incurring the taxes and penalties for making non-qualified withdrawals from a 529 plan. Also, since it's in the parent's name, they retain all control over the funds should the child decide not to go to college altogether. In cases where the parents just aren't sure what the child will decide to do, this also might make sense. It's quite common for new parents to start thinking of college savings pretty early on, and no matter where you are with your children relative to college, it's good to start saving whenever you can. But it's also important to understand the differences in the available savings vehicles so that whichever you choose, you'll be able to get the most out of it and avoid at least some of the panic my wife and I are going through right about now. Opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. This program should not be construed as financial, legal, or estate planning advice. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital and seek advice from a licensed professional. Topel and Dostasi Wealth Management LLC is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Topel and Dostasi Wealth Management LLC and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Topel and Dostasi Wealth Management LLC unless a client service agreement is in place. <laughs>